Okay, here we go. I literally wrote my notes. Are we all aware of how this man died? Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are telling more celebrity ghost stories. As a matter of fact, from the show, Celebrity Ghost Stories. Does that true. fit neatly? Fits perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Almost as if we stole it. How strange. So yeah, this is a show that was on, what channel was this on? Lifetime Movie Network, because you found it. It's on it now, but I feel like it used to be on like A and &E. or I think A&E, I think A&E. But uh, yeah, this is a, a show from Days of Yore that is pretty much all uploaded to the Lifetime Movie Network YouTube channel. And so we're we're going through it and finding <laughs> finding interesting stuff. Listen, the last time that we it's did a it, joy. the last time that we did it, it was uh, it blew my socks off. I think it was two ninety seven, mm -hmm. something like that. Billy Baldwin. Whew. I mean, come on, John Waters, please. So we're we're risking things maybe by going back to the well. What are we risking? But after Utah last week. Yeah, that was hard to. This seemed like research. safe territory, and honestly, for my research, it was so enjoyable. I know. I don't know how you felt. I, I felt fantastic. But what are, wait, what are we risking? I don't know. I'm just afraid that people are going to be like, "What? You're just going to tell us what a celebrity's ghost experience was?" And the answer is yes. Correct. But it's great. It's so yeah. enjoyable, and sometimes it's like. In my case, whether or not we get to everything that I watched, mm -hmm. uh, I've got some like classic haunting stuff. I've got hauntings that maybe touch on sad real life events that later occurred. Yeah. Uh, and I've got like things that almost like defy conventional ghost lore in a way. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, I've just got one thing. Big, bold as brass, Joan Rivers. Yes. I want to hear all about this. This is a great story. Did you realize that this was season one, episode one? No. They started the whole shebang with Joan Rivers. She was the first person up. That makes sense. I mean, this is a good story. So yeah. I feel like this is a good, strong one to get people hooked. Yeah. Um, let's hope that holds true for well, being our see. first story on this podcast. Yes. All right. So if you don't know who Joan Rivers is, she has passed now, but she was a female comedian. She came out like on the scene i actually i don't know i'm making this up let's say yeah, you're gonna do the full bio in the 50s i'm gonna guess or something like that i don't okay, know okay sure but <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of female stand-up comedians it was mostly like a boys game and she was super successful she ended up guest hosting the tonight show a whole bunch of times johnny carson like loved her yep. then she had her own talk show for a while but that dissolved. And this is where we meet her for this story. She was in a bad place when this took place. So it was the late 80s. She had just been fired from her talk show. She lost a ton of money on bad investments. And her husband, her husband, my husband, her husband, Edgar, that's why I did the guh. Oh, okay. um, her husband, Edgar, who was her manager, had just killed himself. Oh, my God. So things are rough, rough, rough yeah. for Joan Rivers. And she decided to leave L.A. and move to New York. So she moves to the city and her friend told her that there was this big old building with a ballroom on the top floor. That was also they keep referring to it as just a ballroom. They never elaborate and say, like, an apartment with a ballroom. But they just say it's that, a ballroom? They just keep talking about the ballroom. Everything that is to come implies that it is a living space that also includes, 
like a giant ballroom. And she did move into it? Yeah. Is yeah. it well it's New York, right? So like mm -hmm. is it is it like when you get a studio apartment and it looks like the Ninja Turtles, you know, sewer right. hangout. Yeah, just, it's just a like, whole open space and you can put up walls if you want. Mm -hmm. But because you're Joan Rivers, it's at the top of a building, not the bottom. I guess. I, I really don't know. Like they didn't really <laughs> the they didn't room. show us the actual place, except for one uh particular shot that I'll mention. They just keep showing like a ball. Like, I don't know, it's confusing. It's a living dwelling, but they keep just calling it the ballroom, so that's what I wrote down. Um, so, anyway, her friend told her about this building with the ballroom on the top floor that nobody wanted to buy. It was available for, like, a long time. So, Joan went to check it out, and it was in major disrepair because nobody had lived in it in a while. But she could see how amazing it must have been in the day. I guess she felt it had good bones. I know okay. that's something that people say about places sure. that it's like, I can see how this could be good. We'll just have to build on it. It's full of bones. And so she decided to restore it because she said she just fell in love with it and the potential of it. And she would go there at night and just walk around and feel hopeful after this like really shitty time in her life. This gave her something to like look forward to and finally feel optimistic. And about. something productive. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna literally rebuild. Right, right. Yeah. So timely for when this is coming out on Labor Day weekend. Oh my god. Which will be a few days after this show drops. She decided to, so she was living somewhere else in New York while this is getting built, obviously, but she would like swing by to just look at it. And she had the keys obviously already and just kind of like be excited about what was going on. So she decided to stop by the apartment on her way home with her little Yorkie dog. And the dog absolutely refused to go into the apartment. And she said that even though it was a hot night, the apartment itself was super duper cold. Now they show something on screen. This is what they show of the apartment. I love that they they've got reenactments and stuff yes. on this show that are as cheesy as you can imagine. As you want them to be. Yeah. yeah, so there's like a lady walking around in like a short flippy blonde Joan Rivers wig and they never show her head on. Never very, show the face, always out of not. focus. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what they're doing except this. So, jo real Joan Rivers <laughs> says that there were pornographic markings and writings on the wall, and they show briefly what has to be an actual picture. Like, first they're showing the reenactment, it's just like scribbles on the wall or whatever, but then it switches to a picture of this wall, and like, yeah, it looks like this place is like broken down, and it is a, <laughs> it's like graffiti, very, <laughs> I was gonna say crude, Crudely drawn, but also crude in the subject matter, of, of course. Crudely drawn graffiti of a cartoon woman, a uh, spread eagle naked lady with a pentacle on her hoo-ha. And the yeah, word, what's a pentacle? A pentagram? But upright. So it's like a star in a circle. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the word death written across her chest. Whoa. And this is definitely the real picture because they there are nipples that they have blurred out. If this was just their recreation, they would just not put nipples there. I'm confused. It's a drawing? On the wall. Yeah, it's graffiti. That somebody okay. had broken in because it was like an abandoned apartment forever and just graffitied the wall and they decided to write that. Okay. Or draw that. Yeah, so that was, you think that that was a real photo of the real place? That yes. they, like an archival photo. 
I think she, perhaps Joan Rivers took the picture because they show a recreation first of the place. It's like the lady turning, looking at this wall and she's like scribbles and stuff. And then it switches real quick to this lady okay. with blurs. Yes, so yes, yes, why bother lady. doing something with blurs yeah. if it's not authentic? You're, you're right. That's interesting. You, I couldn't make out anything else that was uh, like written on the walls. It was just basically, I could make out the words get out and other illegible scribbles, but this just really took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to see it. The face of the lady is like really weird with like weird teeth. And I was just like, whoa, okay. Who, this is, the whole thing is strange. Mm -hmm. I can imagine like if this was like, again, imagine like a ground floor building ballroom that's yeah. abandoned. Yes. Yeah. People break into that all the time. Top of a skyscraper? People are breaking in? That's just other rich kid residents of this place. Bingo. I mean, they don't elaborate on it, but that's exactly what it is. Right? Like, yeah. that's bizarre. It's so weird. It's like the only way they can, like, rebel or it's whatever. like Gene Hackman's child is breaking <laughs> in and scrawling all over the walls. I know. It shocking I, I would say to maybe even go look for the episode and just find that or something i was very surprised so she said it was all just it was just all really weird the whole vibe is weird it's cold in there her doggy will not come in she sees this and she just decides to leave so she got in the elevator and said to the elevator man or whatever they call that like the, the bellhop bell, bell elevator bellhop. operator bell. yeah i guess so Co elevator driver elevator boy um lobby boy no <laughs> whatever <laughs> um the elevator man which shows what a relic this apartment yeah. is however or I mean, how rich it is do you think they still have those today like an elevator maybe op not, I bet it's elevator operator maybe not today right. but in the 80s mm -hmm. like it was still pretty gaudy yeah you know it's quite yeah. gauche yes. to have an elevator operator um but anyway she got in the elevator and said to that operator that the apartment was so cold and that there was this writing all over the walls and just that it felt so weird and he said oh i guess mrs spencer is back <gasps> what so he went on to tell her that Mrs. Spencer was a niece of J.P. Morgan, of <laughs> J.P. Morgan Chase. You know what I mean? See, I knew it. This is all rich people. Uh, everybody who scrolled on those is. walls is some rich punk. I don't know why you feel like this is like a gotcha. It's like a fancy building. That it's just so weird. Like, it's so, it's so like, like. Of course it is. It's like when in People Magazine, they go like, look, it's. I don't know, like, uh, you know, Harvey Firestein buys oranges. He's just like us. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody buys oranges. It's like, you know, most kids. I'm interested to see where you're going with this. <laughs> How is this like that? I Because it, it's, it's exactly what I said before of like a lot of kids might graffiti places outside and it would yes. be them misbehaving and, uh, you know, uh, vandalizing stuff. And it's and they're like bored dirty kids with nothing good to do yeah but then you got these like rich kids jp morgan's knees like all these like fancy jp morgan's knees highfalutin people yeah. and their snot nosed kids are get tricking the elevator operator to bring them up to the <laughs> ballroom on the top floor to do the same shit but they're just doing it in some like 
you know, golden tower. Of course. It's it's just obscene. It's it's crazy. Um, so anyway, he went on to tell her that Mrs. Spencer was a niece of JP Morgan. This means that Mrs. Spencer is a relative by marriage to Sonia Morgan from the Real Housewives of New York City. Oh my god. It's all coming together. Oh, my God. I'm losing all sense of myself. <laughs> like having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> because she was married to J.P. Morgan's, I don't know, son or something, whatever. How old is it? Wasn't J.P. Morgan from like 400 years ago? That's like a, a relatively contemporary person? Not really. She, when she married him, I think was like 20 and he was like 60. I think it was a little bit of an Anna Nicole Smith and uh, J. Howard Marshall. Oh, my God. Much closer. That's not quite fair. Much closer in age than that. But Ugh. if you look at wedding pictures of them, you're like, oh, OK, I see what's going on. Oh, even he's J.P. Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Even though yeah. she's still hung up on their divorce. So it seems like she either really, really loved him and or was just so attached to the lifestyle, she still mourns it. Right. But anyway. Okay, whatever. <laughs> relative by marriage. <laughs> whatever. To Mrs. Spencer the ghost. Um, and Mrs. Spencer lived in this building her entire life. And this is so weird to me. This is also rich people stuff that I don't understand. As her life went on, she kept moving up a floor. What? And renting out the floor below her that she had previously lived on until she reached that ballroom apartment at the top where she lived until she died seven and a half, seven and a half years before Joan Rivers moved in. Okay. So she's renting out all these below apartments, basically. All of them? I, I, I don't know. I'm assuming That's she also my moves question. up and then rents out the one below yes. to offset some and costs. And keeps going. Yeah, keeps inching her way because she wants to eventually be the tip of the tip. Apparently. I didn't even know that you could, I didn't know you could just like rent out par apartments in a building you don't own or whatever. Of whatever. Course, just money. I know. I'm sure there are tons of empty apartments. I, yeah, I know. But like, could you just, could I have just lived in the Devonshire arms and somebody moves out and so I rent Chester's apartment to somebody? Absolutely. But I'm renting it and I get the money? Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying. I think she that didn't own the building. She just lived there. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know how anything works. No, I don't either. I, I, don't I don't think it works like that, though. Anyway, so the guy said that Mrs. Spencer did things to people in the building. For example, there was a family that had a fancy schmancy chandelier with cherubs holding light bulbs on it. And they came home one day to find all of the heads of the cherubs sh snapped off. <laughs> snapped off. Someone, someone snapped off the edge of all my little cupids. <laughs> oh, look at this. Sheila. Someone snapped all the edge clean off. Do the light bulbs still work? <laughs> so it all continued to be weird. The workmen working on the apartment didn't like staying at night. It continued to just be randomly cold. The dog scratched and whined like crazy whenever Joan stopped by and brought him. She just didn't know what to do with this place. She was like, I think something really is up. And I'm guessing it's Mrs. Spencer. So she was going, remember, she's still in the midst of this terrible time. This, this apartment was her hope. Before right. this started, she was like going there to just yeah. bask in the optimism of it. And then all of a sudden it starts going to hell. Right. So um, she just wanted to feel safe and happy in her home. And so she called the NYU parapsychology department. <gasps> no way. Does that still exist? Yes. Actually, I don't know. I don't know why. I said <laughs> you said it was such a definitive quality. Yeah, I know. Does that still exist for like Rutgers? 
I don't know. Paris, like, are there Ghostbusters in the basements of all of these colleges? For some reason, I say definitively because when I was watching. Yes. <laughs> when I was watching it, I thought to myself, is that real? And I thought, I think I've heard that it is, but I didn't confirm. This is interesting. Right. But here, but it kind of stops here a little bit. It gets interesting in a different way. But she calls them and told them the situation and asked that uh, if there was someone who could come and help her. And they said that they don't do that. They don't like make house calls like Ghostbusters. And she said that she just started to feel this whole new sense of fear. And instead of focusing on the other troubles in her life, she was now fixated on this haunting. And so as soon as this woman on the phone said, we don't do that, she said she basically begged her to give her some sort of advice, some sort of direction on something. And the woman on the phone said, listen, I'm not supposed to do this, but there's a voodoo priestess in New Orleans who could possibly help you and passed on her phone number. And so Joan called her that same day she told her the whole story on the phone and they arranged for the priestess whose name is sally to come to new york and help so i just want to tell you during the episode they just keep saying voodoo priestess woman whatever they don't give the name and then kind of at the end of the episode when joan rivers is doing sort of a wrap-up she almost just i don't think they were trying to keep it secret but she just sort of like slips for lack of a better word and says the name sally so then I Googled Joan Rivers voodoo priestess Sally, and it turns out, I'm jumping forward a little bit, they ended up having a lifelong friendship. Really? They kept in touch. Um, she would continually fly her out for different like charity events. Joan Rivers ended up going to New Orleans to do charity events for free to That's raise nice. money for That's things right. that Sally cared yeah. about there. Her name is Sally Glassman. I left the tab open here. Let me just double check on that. That's a really Sally nice... Ann Glassman. Okay. It, it I will say my eyes started to roll once it became contact this person in New Orleans to fly out to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. And it starts to just be like, wait a minute, sell the apartment. <laughs> right? Like know, doesn't I... it like instead of going to all this hardship it's just like it's this the ease with which mm-hmm. money can make you be like oh yeah i'll just fly this person uh, halfway across the country repeatedly i believe repeatedly um yeah i don't know that i mean that's obviously a very classic thing in haunted stories where you're just like so just sell it or whatever i guess it's hard it's just too, too hard to do or something i don't know but um all right so they met together in the apartment and the priestess conducted a ceremony that Joan said was like out of a movie she said it was with chanting and drumming the whole bit and the priestess told her that Mrs. Spencer was very angry because she still considers herself the grand dame of the home and felt indignant about any changes that were being made so they put cornmeal on the floor as a protective measure which I'd never heard of before and Joan said the whole thing was just so scary to her she said she just felt very freaked out by this whole thing this isn't her like normal bag I'm gathering you know what I mean like it's very out of her comfort zone to be calling in a voodoo priest to do a ceremony here the cornmeal on the floor makes me think of the original paranormal activity do you remember when they put flour Mm -hmm. in the hallway and then in the morning they wake up and there are cloven hoof prints i know i love that because the demon was there the the secret the imaginary friend demon i remember them like little 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 petey little petey probably (laughs) probably (laughs) (laughs) when in doubt it's just little petey yeah always Uh, yeah always we use that for um the guy from saw (laughs) i still swear to god that's his name (laughs) agent strom on godrick no it's stars hollow no from gilmore girls (laughs) gilmore girls agent strom 
is named Little Petey. <laughs> and it's called Godric's Hollow, where he lives. Well, I, I imagine that the cornmeal serves a purpose almost like um, salt does or other protective things. Like, I don't, yes, even though it's like I think dusty. So too. I just like um, But the, it, is a remi- it does remind me of that. Salt. I'm just picturing Joan Rivers looking at a. <laughs> like a demonic hoof print yeah. in cornmeal, <laughs> and I like it. Luckily, she doesn't have to. So uh, after about an hour and a half, the priestess says she's gone, and Joan said she felt she said it immediately felt warmer, and the dog, who was sitting at the threshold, came into the room. Whoa. It was about 2.30 a.m. at this point, and the priestess said, I mean, I'm here now. Let's go to the other apartments in the building and see if they want help. What? So Joan Rivers in the episode is like, can you imagine? Like, what a crazy thing to have your bell be rung at 2.30 in the morning. Joan Rivers is showing up there and saying hello and introducing a priestess from New Orleans who's helping me with Mrs. Spencer. Would you like a cleansing too? And she said not one person said no and every person had a story. Wow. I mean, I love it. I, I love it. it it's, yeah. it's insane, but I love it. Right. Um, one of the women who they came across said that she had seen a couple coming down the stairs in full evening dress one night and said, hello. They said, hello back. And then when she got to the doorman, she said, who was that? And he said, who was who? Cause there was nobody there. Another I just woman, once I want one of these stories to be yeah. like, I passed them in the hall and I said, hello. And they said, hello. And then I asked the doorman, who was that? And he said, those were ghosts. It was the ghosts who live in 2A. Just like a dispense. <laughs> With a step. Yeah, right, right. Who was who? Yeah. But who is ghost? Oh, that guy's standing there? He's a ghost. <laughs> right. And you turn around and he's still there. Yeah. He yeah. didn't disappear. No, still just there. Yes, I am a ghost. I admit it. So another... Guilty is charged. <laughs> another woman said that actually she had been thinking about buying that ballroom apartment upstairs and went up with a realtor to find couples dancing in the ballroom all dressed up. Oh, no. And so she thought that somebody had rented it out for an event because it just looked like real people. So she went back to tell the realtor, who said, like, that's not a thing. We didn't rent this out. And they went back into the ballroom. It was empty. Amazing. Classically. Yeah, that's great. Um, so the priestess basically cleansed the whole building and Joan moved into the apartment. But it didn't take very long for things to start up again. The dog started acting weirded out again. The apartment started getting cold and the electrics just didn't work right. And she felt like Mrs. Spencer had returned. So Joan feeling just kind of like she had been feeling so relieved. It felt like things were finally looking up. Then it's going to shit again. And she said that she just kind of broke down and appealed to her out loud. She said, and I quoted her here, quote, Mrs. Spencer, I'm a widow. All my money is tied up in this apartment. I can't do this. You must, you must, must, must leave me in peace. And then one night later, she was in the basement of the building with a handyman when she found this portrait of a lady that was stuck behind some bricks and drywall. What? And she said she just knew that it was her. She was this grand looking woman and the doorman confirmed, yeah, that is Mrs. Spencer. So she cleaned it up, uh, cleaned up the picture and hung it in the lobby of the building. The voodoo priestess then called her out of the blue and said, I've had a visit from Mrs. Spencer. She's very pleased that you put her back into her home and she's very happy with what you've done to the ballroom. And she's very happy that you keep flowers in there. So will you please always keep flowers in the ballroom? And Joan said, yeah, no problem. I can do that. Easy peasy. Yeah. So if you've seen, um, there was a movie that Joan Rivers did, like a documentary a few years ago. And a lot of it. A few years ago? 
Well, wait a minute. This is <laughs> we're talking about celebrity ghost stories, not celebrity ghost William, stories. William, <laughs> let's say it was a few years before she died. Okay. And um, there's they spend a. She didn't die that that long ago, I don't think. Sure she did. Really? Yeah. Let's take a look. Dead for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, she died, okay, in 2014. That's a bit. It's almost a decade. <laughs> it's, it's a bit. Um, so yeah, the, she, she shot a documentary in there, and a lot of it is in her apartment. And it's that apartment. It was called A Piece of Work. And it was four years before she died. Okay. So it was f- a few years ago in that way. And it's a very good documentary. I watched it at the time. Um, so anyway, it's in there. You kind of like take a look at the apartment. So when this was shot, Joan said that it's been 18 years now that she's been living in this apartment and that Mrs. Spencer visits her once in a while. Her dogs will wake her up and she'll just feel a presence in the room and know that it's her and just say, hello, Mrs. Spencer. And she said that she finds it comforting and more than friendly, kind of like a protective feeling that she feels like Mrs. Spencer is checking in on her. And then she gets emotional as she's telling the story, like a little choked up. And she says she thinks of her as a friend and she knows that she's there to help her. That's sweet. And she also says that the apartment means a lot to her because her life turned around while she was living there and that it gave her a real home and a real sense of belonging and at the same time that she got that she was restoring mrs spencer's home so she feels like they both gave each other something that they love and the segment ends with this which i thought was just very sweet this is a quote again how nice to know that i have mrs spencer to say good evening to every night that is incredibly isn't it nice it's really nice that is like a genuinely heartwarming i loved it ghost story that's that's Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's the other thing that ghost stories can be, which is not scary, but right. like just uh, emotionally resonant. Yes. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. You can also look up Sally Glassman if you're curious about her voodoo priestess. I will say it sounds it like fun. whatever ritual she did until 2.30 in the morning <laughs> didn't take at all. No, it sounds like she, no, it doesn't. It sounds like it temporarily... Yeah, which you hear sometimes. Like, I remember that there was an episode, I think it was on Patreon, but I talked about an episode of, I think it was Paranormal Witness, and same kind of thing happened. Like, somebody came in, did some sort of a cleansing, the family thought that it was all okay, and then it kicked back up again. So maybe it's like, maybe it's like actual cleaning. Yeah. Like, the dust comes back. And, so maybe and, you're like getting rid of ghostly residue, right? But there's always space for it to accumulate again. And not to not to call uh, our dearly departed Joan pests. Okay, but like it's like pest control. We have carpenter yeah. bees mm-hmm. every year. The pest control guy comes around and sprays again. It's like it's never just right. done. It's never just one thing. Yeah, it's just got, always got to happen. It's almost like everything, like all maintenance is like that. Yeah. And a lot, you know, you got to shower continually. Constantly. You got to whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean shower. I didn't mean. <laughs> that is what it sounds like. <laughs> it as it was like, I got to shower constantly. I'm so dirty. Tell you five seconds later, I'm dirty. Get back in the shower. Start constantly. all. Start all over again. The process begins anew. <laughs> <laughs> Calling down the stairs to Al. Of the baby who haven't seen me in days. Yeah, right. I um no, I I really like that story. That is a very sweet story. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, Joan Rivers was a piece of work. I love that that building. I wonder if it does have the. I wonder if the picture is still there. 
you know. Oh, of Mrs. Uh, of not Mrs. Spencer yeah, yeah, yeah. in the lobby. I wonder. You know, I, possible. I, and, and somebody lives in the ballroom now, presumably, right? Mm-hmm. right? It's been almost ten years since Joan Rivers died. So yeah. What's happened? Since, that's where my mind always goes sometimes with these things. Like in in some way, that's almost like a perfect story where it's just like beginning, mm-hmm. middle, end, done. Very yeah. and happy ending. Happy and like ending. Kind of definitive. In a, a little way. creepy to start with the weird drawings on the walls, yeah. even though you know it was just some teens. Yeah. kid with a silver spoon in his mouth <laughs> said to make some mischief that's in right. a safe environment. I know. <laughs> Privileged. I know. It's twit. It's frankly pathetic. It is. I'm going to work out my rebellion, but I think I'll just do it upstairs in the ballroom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the ballroom. <laughs> I'll be in the ballroom if you need me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a little, a little creepy. Mm-hmm. And then very, very unexpectedly sweet. Yeah. I, I like it. But it does make me immediately go like, man, this, this, uh, what's her name? Sally? Oh, Sally Glassman. Yeah. Boy, she's like... Somebody just like follow her around with a camera because it seems like she right. has legitimate phenomenon that she's able to like produce almost. We could we could have proof of the supernatural if only we stuck with her. What do you mean? She she like cleansed of it. She didn't bring it on. I know, but like she seemed to engage and give them instant results, even if they uh-huh. were temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like everyone wondering whether or not the other side exists. Like, she seems like... And then she heard from Mrs. Spencer. Exactly. You know what I mean? It seems pretty concrete with her. Yeah. Um, Truly. I don't know. I don't know. All <sighs> right. Well, I've got a, a doozaroo that's yeah. going to come your way in just a minute. And similar to Joan Rivers, there is a... A quality to it, not to big it up too much, mm-hmm. but I mean, you're talking about David Carradine. Yeah. Um, feel of free Kill to, Bill. Of Kill Bill. Google him up. But um, he, his story that he told was only four months before his death. Oh, wow. And felt relevant to his death. Really? Yes. Uh-oh. If you know what his death was like, your mind might be spinning a little bit. It is. We'll get there. First, we're going to take a a little break. That's right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So we've talked about it just kind of in passing here and there. I feel like it comes up. I have had struggles with depression and anxiety, as had Will. Um, But I have to say there are ways to improve the way that you feel. Sometimes in life, you're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. You might not be sure what to do. Should you read like a million self-help books and try to do it yourself? Should you find a therapist? Like, where do you go? Especially when you're feeling depressed, everything feels overwhelming anyway. So to make another choice can feel like a lot. So whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Yeah. To me, therapy is, I think a lot of people look at therapy and they think of it as being like, I don't know, a whole a whole process a whole or thing. almost like it can be some sort of an invasion Mm-hmm. to open up you know what it is in my experience is it's like perspective yeah it's having somebody who one has some expertise and ability to understand 
what you might be feeling better than you do and put it into words. Mm -hmm. And and then they can say back to you, like, it sounds like you were really struggling yes. uh, with this event. Right. And then they're not judging you in saying that. They're providing another perspective on a situation that you may have gone through or something that just may be, I don't know, on your mind right now. And also just the format of BetterHelp because it's virtual. Like you can get that stuff off your chest in the moment, which yeah. is really nice. You'll get a response later, but it's nice to have an outlet for that that feels kind of um, productive. Productive. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com GTTU today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash g t t u that's right another thing that you can check out is patreon.com slash g t t u pod <laughs> you said that like it's gonna home? you said that like it's gonna <laughs> fill the same purpose <laughs> the same need <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> An no, alternative. it's not. It's not. It's no, not. no. No. Uh, no. But, you know, it might give you a chuckle. Sure. Never hurts. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got tons and tons of stuff over there because we actually have a whole second podcast that comes out every week called The Netherworld Dispatch. People who are on our demon tier get the every week shows, but we have other tiers that you can check out where you get the shows um, bi-weekly, monthly, you can see what works for you. And there's also a Discord full of people that are really awesome. It's a great place and it's a great way to support the show. Yes, uh, and our most recent episode of the Netherworld Dispatch is episode 124. It is Alan Wake Returns. Yeah. So almost two years ago, we played this video game, Alan Wake. We only played it a little bit, never finished it. But it's about a writer who goes to a small town and actually his wife is trying to get him into therapy mm -hmm. and he's resistant and there's this whole dark magic, you know, reality destroying event thing that starts to occur. Yeah. And it is so creative and interesting and weird. Mm -hmm. And we finally came back to finish talking about the story of that game because a sequel is on the horizon now. Yeah. An unexpected sequel. Um, so this episode, I just want to say... Um, uh, not only is it uh, an episode that I think people would just enjoy for looking at a, a horror game, which most people may not engage with, mm -hmm. what the episode really is is like obsessing with like story, and 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 I get so invested in this company that makes this game, how they construct their stories, why they construct them the way they do, how they use like audio and video, and and really try to like elevate games to a broader medium of like you can watch a little episode of the twilight zone yeah inside alan wake it's so cool like i'm not a um well i actually do play video games but i don't really play complicated video games mm -hmm. like this often um i gen i mean i loved hearing about all this the story itself is so so yeah. cool and the easter eggs within it um i love it actually today i when i was working i was like oh maybe i'll put on the alan wake cutscenes. but then i was like but they're so cool i want to actually watch them yes you know it's, I mean? it's very fun it's like twin peaks Decidedly like Twin Peaks. Yes, very much. Um, but then on top of that, it's like the the entire like modus operandi. So if you if you enjoy hearing me go too deep in obsessing about like story and structure I, and stuff, I don't think it was too deep. Uh, that episode is super fun. I, awesome. I had so much fun doing it. Um, and then I've got a review that I loved. 
Let's see if people can read through the lines with us. Uh-huh. This review was posted, just like you can leave a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Yes. By Russ Parr, 41. The, the title of the review is, The Perfect Podcast for Me and My Old Lady. <laughs> I must admit, it's a breath of fresh air to listen to a podcast that's equal parts creepy and hilarious. Kristen and William dive into everything from haunted dolls to extraterrestrial encounters. You won't believe how smoothly they mix spine-tingling tales with humor, which leaves you laughing and, just maybe, peering over your shoulder. Listening to this show feels like a sweet hex of nostalgia, mysterious, enchanting, and oh-so-hilarious. From the very first episode, you're lured in by their banter, and the episodes stick with you like a voice that you can't get out of your head, day or night. So... If you fancy a blend of frights and chuckles, do yourself a favor and join the spectral party of Guide to the Unknown. If I could, I'd leave this review seven stars. Happy listening, and may you encounter laughter in the most unexpected places and around every corner. Phew, that was long-winded, but I'm finally finished. (laughs) What a fun review. Did people get, did people get it? No. That is full of rust and par. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there was something that was like connected. Like, you know how there'll be something where it's like uh, every word is capitalized. No, not quite like that. Just like somebody, whoever wrote this and it's written. So fun. It's written under the name Russ Par 41, which is Rustin Par. And 1941 is when he committed those crimes. We're talking about the Blair Witch lore. Of course. Of course. We just did a deep dive Mm -hmm. uh, into Blair Witch lore. This is so well written and flows well while multiple times referencing Blair Witch and Rustin Parr things that the person who wrote this, I'm wondering if they are a writer. Or it if is, they are Rustin Parr. Perhaps they are the ghost of Rustin Parr. Even the title, The Perfect Podcast for Me and My Old Lady. Yeah. I won't dig into all of them, but this is like, it actually, crazily enough, there's a review on our <laughs> Apple podcast that rewards you reading it multiple times <laughs> to pick up on references. But the, this title, The Perfect Podcast for Me and My Old Lady, Rustin Parr was haunted by the Blair Witch. Right. His old lady is the Blair Witch. The Witch. It's I... so good. He Specifically, he said he heard the voice of an old woman yes. that told him to kill the kids. So... The podcast for him and his old lady. Uh, just brilliant. I must confess, William sent me this review to look at, and it's <laughs> it's delightful. I I read it, and I, I'm not kidding. I started, like, beaming. I did, too. It. I was reading. I was picking all the things. When you said it just now, I was like, oh, God, did I miss something and misunderstand this? But no, it's just cool in a here and there sort of way. I, I, I love, love it. it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. While we're on this, like, I don't know, I feel very positive. I'm mm-hmm. going to acknowledge the chat a couple of times. Sure. We, okay? re- we record the show live every week on youtube.com slash at GTTU pod, GTTU pod um, on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there is a chat going while we record. And so uh, Bobby, our, our buddy, mm-hmm. one of my uh, great writing partners, uh, wrote Real Talk. I love this family so much. And listening to the Patreon content genuinely makes me feel closer to y'all. I play everything on repeat. Thank you, Bobby. I love you, buddy. Thank you. And thank you. That was incredibly sweet to say. Yes. And then right below it, Drew wrote, me logging on to say Guide to the Unknown and our community is often the exact right therapy I need a lot of times. Oh, true. And then KitKat right below that says, I needed this today. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you you all so, so much. I, I... We really, 
genuinely appreciate all of you, not just in the, the chat, everyone listening. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We hope that you enjoy it. We hope that you are well. Yes. I'm so glad that people seem to enjoy this show and find it not only entertaining, but like offsetting what otherwise can sometimes be a hard and complicated life. Mm -hmm. So thank you all. I hope you are all doing well. And uh, same. I yeah. really am in um, corny awe of our listeners. People decide to just do, I see it in the discord all the time, just being like really, really kind to each other. Yeah. Going out of your way to leave a review is honestly such a nice thing that you don't have to do. Making Not at that all. move is incredibly um, considerate yep. of you. And people send us nice messages. And I just think that you're all really, really cool people. So thank you. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all so, yes. so much. All right. And so on with the, the show mm -hmm. where I'm going to tell you about the, the haunting of David Carradine. Oh, boy. Which is weird. So... It's the same episode as yours because we <laughs> mentioned, I talk about recording live. At the end of every live stream, we actually plan next week's episode. Mm -hmm. So people knew that we were doing this a week ago. Right. You can, like, go to our YouTube, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea what I was getting into with the David Carradine one. Yeah, I have no idea. What do you know about David Carradine? Almost nothing. I mean, that he's an actor, that he was in Kill Bill. I think that he was in Westerns maybe before that. Westerns, I think, and a show most famously he's in was called Kung Fu. Okay. And so he he did, yeah, he's like a Kung Fu guy. Okay. I and I know that he died from autoerotic asphyxiation. That is the the belief. The the yes. There's been there's been uh, the reason I say that uh -huh. is because there have been people who later were like, no, he was murdered. Oh, so essentially, oh, oh, yeah, you know what? That kind of rings a bell. Yeah. So this episode came out in October 2009. Mm -hmm. He died in June 2009. Boy. And in the episode, they put up title cards that say he recorded the story for the episode four months prior to his death, which oh, means wow. that he would have recorded this in February 2009. Mm -hmm. um, he dies in June mm. and the show comes out in October. He dies in Bangkok, Thailand, where he is filming a movie. And essentially one night, everybody on the film crew goes out to dinner mm -hmm. and they call David Carradine, but he doesn't pick up. So they just go out. Yeah. And then he calls and it's too late. So he's going to have to find dinner elsewhere, whatever. And no one hears from him again. He is found the next day when he doesn't show up to set or anything and no one can get in touch with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody goes to his hotel room and they find him, and this is all very grisly, they find him in the closet with um, a cord around his neck and around his genitals. Mm -hmm. And he died uh, of autoerotic asphyxiation, as you said, and which I barely said. <laughs> You made it. I made it to the I, end know, of the Weirdly, I, I could be wrong. I feel like there was some sort of like VH1 TV show that was like, I feel like I learned this. I can picture like a recreation, believe it or not, that doesn't go all the way there. What? I, yeah, I know. It almost became, and maybe almost is not even correct. Mm. It, be, it was a joke. People yeah. made fun of this, which like- What I, I'm thinking of didn't, which doesn't mean it was super tasteful or anything, yeah. but like- I don't know. I feel like I remember like a, a crimey sort of show. Yeah. It, so there, there were claims later that his family was like, he wouldn't have. They, it's, what's weird is like no one disputed that he was into autoerotic asphyxiation. Mm -hmm. 
but they were like, he knew how to, essentially they were like, I mean, he knew how to do it without killing himself. I know, that rings about to me too. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't know. true. I, I think that with something like that, yeah. it's so easy to make a mistake. So I would imagine. I think that every single time he'd done it before. Yeah, you're choking, you're, you're depriving your brain of oxygen. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if you tie it too and tightly so one to day or you slip or something. To the edge. Yeah. And so it'd be very easy to go over that edge. You're screwed. Yeah. So uh, listen. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's found dead in a closet. Mm -hmm. That's what I really need you to hold on to. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. I literally wrote in my notes, are we all aware of how this man died? Okay. Is this story going to be closet-centric? Sort or of. Is it, does it have anything to do with sexy stuff? No, not at all. So it's just the closet At best, he makes it. the weirdest reference to intimacy I've heard in a long time. Okay, great. It's just very gentle. All right. Yeah. Uh, he also... Oh, God. Okay. He starts his segment... By being like, you know, I don't usually, usually believe in all this stuff, but, you know, I don't think that people really understand life very well. So how could people possibly understand death? He goes, I okay. think that sometimes people sometimes hang around. Oh, boy. I was like, the choice, is, the yeah. word choice. Not to tip, dip a foot into the jokes. No, no, no. But when somebody's dead to me, I, I personally can't make the joke. I've seen plenty of jokes that I, so, you know, the channel Red Letter Media? Yeah. They've made more than their fair share of David Carradine autoerotic asphyxiation death jokes. Uh -huh. But like one that sticks out in my memory is like, it almost fell on their laps. It was not their fault. Yeah. They watched a movie where David Carradine plays like some guy in the 1800s who shows up to a cabin in the middle of the night in a storm. Uh -huh. And he walks in looking tough and shoots a look. And then the camera cuts and it's a noose. Oh it's God. like, oh my God. God. <laughs> like, Why? They just start going insane. They just start exploding laughing. Ugh. It is crazy. Yeah. There's no denying that it's wild. Of so even, even him starting, people sometimes hang around. No, that it's is... It's incredibly unfortunate. Yes. Incredibly unfortunate. Yes. Okay. Fortuitous in a sad way. Absolutely. So he's here to tell us all about his experience with Annie. Mm-hmm. Annie is a woman that he met, and when he met her, she was, quote, a widow, all dressed in black. Which, well, we'll get to it. <laughs> Annie's, it, it made it seem like you, like, met her at the funeral or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Annie's husband had died one year prior. Mm -hmm. She's got three kids from her late husband, and here's a quote from David Carradine. And I just looked at all these kids, and I said, this is what I want. Hmm. I want to hang out with this woman and take care of these kids and read stories for them and the whole thing. That's sweet. Did that happen? It did happen. That's nice. It did happen. They get together and they start living together. But David Carradine starts having a bit of a tough time mm -hmm. because while the woman and her late husband's house is beautiful, he says the place was spooky. You could put a spooky, you could do like, like how many times does this man say spooky? <laughs> yeah. He says spooky so much. I know. You know, I wish we had um, more words for that that are, you know, spooky, know. scary. Like those are really the two pretty much. Creepy. But you you run out and you yeah. start to cycle. He doesn't even use any others. He stays with spooky. 
But so I, I, I you know what word I catch myself speaking at therapy. I catch myself in therapy saying the word cuckoo all the time. Cuckoo. I go, it was cuckoo. It was cuckoo, was like cuckoo. all the time, or it drove me cuckoo. Your therapist <laughs> thinks you're weird. I know. <laughs> No, they don't. Betterhelp.com slash GTTU pod. That's right. GTTU. Yep. Get no pod. Out. Leave yeah. the pod off. Yep. Save the pod for us. For another time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they get together and now he's living in the house, which also like, I don't know, some of the way that he phrased things. Yeah. Just to go play back through them. Is he? So I really know nothing about him. It, it almost sounds to me like he's sort of almost in a flowery way, kind of talks like Bill. Yes, like, he does from yeah, Kill Bill. He yeah. absolutely does, uh -huh. which I like. I actually, sometime in the last year, I, I didn't rewatch Kill Bill. I rewatched the scene where Bill gives that speech. That's a great part. He talks about super, it's very Tarantino yeah. analyzing pop culture, but he's like, when Superman came down, he wasn't, he, he didn't have a suit. You have a great Those are character. his clothes. He has like kind of a lisp. I know. I love it. I love his voice. I think that yeah. it's great because of him. He's great. Like that he watching him makes it really compelling. I totally agree. Yeah, I love He's him. terrific. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to replay again some of these moments. Yes. <laughs> so he meets this widow all in black mm -hmm. and he looks at her kids and says, this is what I want. Yeah. And all of a sudden smash cut. <laughs> he acquires them. Now he's living in the, in the home. It's like he moved yeah, in. No, it, like a lot of the phrasing, it seems like it really he moved in and took the the deceased man's place. Right. I want that. And then he gets it. Yes. He said, things would just feel strange in the house he's saying. Uh, and then he starts to explain this almost like, this. it started to feel like, all right, back off, Mr. Carradine. He goes, things are getting strange. She's got his ashes. He's got a lot of his stuff around. Oh, I'm I like, mean, you're in on. his house. What yeah, do you mean? Yeah. Should she not have her husband's ashes? I was so primed to be anti-carotene. <laughs> it's not where it goes because at all. Yeah. But all this phraseology, this is what I want. And then he's like, I moved into her house and it was a little creepy. It's like, oh, then move into your own house. Yeah, right. Bill. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in the house, his kids are still there. Like, She's it's nice to ashes. have things around. Yeah. Uh, but that was just the beginning of it. The production starts to treat at this point the literally the production of celebrity ghost stories. I think that he basically like rubs his nose, mm -hmm. just like a, like a, as a ticker, like a self comforting kind of thing. Yeah, they intercut this moment as if he's got his like head in his hands, hmm. and like he is like rubbing his face with the remembering the trauma of this oh, moment. Gotcha. It's m over the top. The production value of this show yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um. If it was me, I constantly rub my lips together. I like, can't help it all the yeah. time. And that's what they would cut to for me. I'd be constantly like... It's a great look. So he goes, our bedroom, which would have been his bedroom, mm -hmm. the bed's sort of right next to his closet. And I think he was hanging out in the closet. Oh, wow. That is, in hindsight, quite a little turn of phrase. Isn't that crazy? Yes, it is. Not just the turn of phrase, but the source of the ghost is in the closet. Yeah, but even and will remain so. In, hanging out in the closet. Is. Hanging out in the closet. Yeah. How bizarre, it's bizarre is that? bizarre, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Red Letter, talk about Red Letter Media. Uh, uh, I believe the founder of Red Letter Media, Mike Staklasa, is also a nut for the paranormal. 
Yes. Like Zach Bagans is frequently <laughs> yeah. mentioned on Red Letter Media stuff. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he knows about this episode. Oh, great question. I don't want Maybe to. Maybe sail a little tweet. I don't think that's a good idea. Okay, why not? I just wonder. Okay. Um, but it seems it's just such a weird, it's such a weird Venn diagram. Yeah. All right. Uh, he says, sometimes when I walked into that closet, um, because I was putting my clothes in there and some were still his, it would be cold in there. Unreasonably cold. Like Joan Rivers place. Yes. But he's putting his clothes in there and the other clothes are still there. That's what I was thinking too. Like I'm, I'm very, like what he said before, there being ashes, there being his stuff around like that. I all understood, but yeah. His clothes are in the closet? Weird. Like that That's weird. So he just sort of starts going, so one night I'm, quote, getting into it with Annie. Okay. And he says something about having champagne. Okay. And, we all know what that means. And in the reenactment, they're in bed together with champagne. Uh-huh. Which just feels like a movie. Like yeah. it doesn't feel real. I don't know. Yeah. The closet door starts opening and closing all by itself, oh like opening and shutting, just banging, bang, bang. <laughs> and he says, it's not the wind or anything. Quote, a forthright closure. A forthright closure? That's what he said. What does this mean? It's lyrical. I, it, it's lyrical, but I don't understand what it means. <laughs> I don't think it means much of anything. <laughs> yeah. Glasses are constantly breaking in the house, not oh. just drinking glasses. A champagne bucket, oh. which feels telling. Again, to with me. the champs. Mm -hmm. uh, which had had in the past some significance for the couple. Oh. Well, that's gone now. Yeah. Annie starts speaking out loud to the dead husband, saying she knows that he must be pissed off at having had such a terrible end to his life. Mm -hmm. He had pancreatic cancer mm -hmm. and he died never getting to form a relationship with his new twins. Oh, that's terrible. So was he an angry ghost? But then David Carradine goes, the kids were a little strange back then. Oh God, come on. The kids were a little strange back then. I'm not loving this sensitivity. Their dad died a year ago, David. Not unlike Jennifer Aniston said about Brad Pitt. I feel there's a sensitivity chip missing. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Did she say that? <laughs> yes. I like that. Yep. Uh, David Carradine explains that he didn't sleep much and that in the middle of the night, he came across one of the kids, a little girl, quote, having some kind of... Con having some kind of communion at 2.30 in the morning, just sitting on the Chase Lounge. Sounds good to me. Sounds great. Yeah. And then David Carradine in the interview room on Celebrity Ghost Stories kind of clutches himself and he goes, man, I'm getting, I'm spooked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I love it. Man, I'm spooked right now. <laughs> That's, That's great. <laughs> the spookiest part, oh yeah, the, the next sentence is the spookiest part of the whole thing for me. The oldest kid, Max, is going to take guitar lessons. Uh, David Carradine plays the guitar, mm -hmm. but evidently the kid's father... Uh, played it better. Played the guitar as well. Mm -hmm. And according to David Carradine, was so into guitar, his nickname was Guitar. I was going to make that joke. I was going to say, I was going to interrupt you and say, was Guitar... It doesn't sound like a nick. Hey, guitar. No. I don't believe that's anything you would say. That's a terrible nickname. But here's the thing. I wrote, it's starting to feel like a lie. <laughs> that's what it says in my notes. <laughs> Started to feel just not <laughs> true. Making <laughs> something up off the cuff. And it's just like not that good. It's, no, it's not good. <laughs> he, he continues. He says, of Bill. <laughs> he says the full name. Oh. Dana Guitar Beerman. 
Oh. So I Googled David Bierman. Yeah. Who was a guitarist and who did die at leaving behind three kids and a widow named Annie who David Carradine married. Yeah. And became his final wife until his death. Uh-huh. Four months later. Yeah. But so did you find that his name was David Guitar Bierman? <laughs> I guess I didn't confirm that people called him that nickname. I just confirmed that he I was mean, real. Yeah, I, I assumed that he was real. I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> Who the hell knows? So Max, the son, isn't relating to the guitar that he's trying to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and David Carradine goes like, well, I have a lot of guitars. I have a guitar collection. Take any one of those. Your dad had some guitars that are still in the building. You can go try out some of your dad's guitars. Mm-hmm. Well, suddenly... They notice on the table in the room, there's a key, Mm. a key that they had never noticed before. Nice. They show it in the reenactment. It's a big, heavy iron key, like a key that Jack Sparrow would use to unlock a pirate's chest. Yeah. And then they cut back to the studio where David Carradine's telling the story and he reaches into his shirt pocket (gasps) and he pulls out a plain house key (laughs) that you might get from like... Home Depot. Yeah. And he goes, All right. This is it. I almost wish they didn't do that. This is the key right here. It's like, Yeah, idiots. (laughs) Of course it is. It's not some clunky old key from 300 years ago. I wish they had gone with one or the other to let us believe that it was a clunky old key. What's going on? Have it be fun that he brought a prop. Absolutely. You can't do both. No. You can't show the cool clunky old pirate key and then undercut it with here's the real rinky dink. It's like it's on my key ring right now. Right. What are they doing on this show? It's a mess. Max realizes that the key fits The only locked door, a door that hasn't been opened in who knows how long. How big is your house? That's ridiculous. Yeah. So he he unlocks, but I guess it's supposed to be something that happens. Sure. He unlocks this closet. He opens the door. There's a Gibson guitar in there. Oh. He reaches in. It used to be his dad's guitar, and he supposedly still played it until this day. Lovely. Yep. That's very nice. And then it cuts back to David Carradine in the studio and goes, phew, I'm really spooked right now. Wow, this guy. <laughs> this is weird. He adjusts himself. He just kind of like rocks and goes, mm, yeah. And then they just move on with the story. This guy's <laughs> real susceptible to a spook. Oh, I'm getting spooked right now. <laughs> constantly spooking himself by telling these stories. Uh, all right. They get married. Uh-huh. He marries Annie, okay? Uh, they come home to celebrate the wedding. And David Carradine goes into the closet only to find it icy cold, biting to the bone. He notices a Grateful Dead tie on a tie rack that he didn't recognize before. It's like suddenly it's flipped over to display the label and it catches his eye. And he goes, I just wondered what it could mean. He says, he gets Annie's attention asking if she put it there. Uh Uh-huh. And then he goes, it was a joke, an obvious joke. The dead were grateful. He wonders if Dana okay. appreciated him making an honest woman out of Annie. Okay. It was the All only right. way he could communicate I that w- everything yeah. was settled. His kids were taken care of, and I was going to be there for them. And I will be. I guess you got to use what you got. So yeah. I guess if Dana, the ghost, had access to a Grateful Dead tie... That's certainly easier than spelling out thank you in dried beans or something. 
I'm guess assuming he also had access to those. To dried beans. Kitchen. Of yeah. course, there was always dried beans in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so much more affordable than cans. You're totally right about that. So yeah, that that to me is like almost weirdly for the rest of the story, that's like the biggest leap of anything is that he saw the words Grateful Dead Seems and like thought it meant I... Dana's saying, I'm dead and I'm grateful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but either way, it is it the is just sort of... show up. It's kind of a nice story. Oddly, it is somewhat similar to the Joan Rivers story in that yeah. it is somebody who died here and is lingering because of something that they cared about. Mm -hmm. For Joan Rivers' ghost, it was the that place, her home. Yeah. And seemingly for David Carradine's ghost, it was his family mm -hmm. and wanting to know that they were okay. But I'll read to you again some of the final words David Carradine says on this show. <laughs> I can't wait. He says that uh, he... The only way, it was the only way he could commu communicate that everything was settled with the tie. His kids were taken care of, and I was going to be there for them. And I will be. But he dies four months oh, later yeah. and is found dead in a closet. Yeah. The, the, that segment ends with, essentially it ends with a, a title card that says, In Memory of David Carradine. Mm -hmm. And it's just so... Yeah, that is odd. It's so odd. You know, there's nothing to make of it. There's no, no. there's no grand it's honestly, analysis. It's just a strange coincidence. It's a strange coincidence, mm -hmm. um, but incredibly strange, unexpected yeah. to say the least. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I knew it. David Carradine as like kind of like a character and a um, like on Red Letter Media they show some like infomercial where he was selling, helping sell some like. Tai Chi device that would help you get in the zone. It was, it clearly felt like a scam. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, so like I just knew him to sort of just be like a weird, maybe, maybe a crackpot. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I did not expect it to have all these connections to a closet, which is the, aside from him playing Kill Bill, mm -hmm. the thing most people know about this man. Yes. It's just crazy. Yeah. Just it crazy. totally is. Yep. That's all there is to it. There's no grand finale. It's just crazy. These were great stories. I, I love it. I love it. I, I Listen, thank you, Lucky Stars, mm -hmm. that I've already done my research on Scott Baio. <laughs> okay, I'll save that for a future date. That's okay. I've got that. That's in the bank. I do, too. I, I also that's have... Mo that's money in the bank. Oh, yeah. That's something you can trust. I know. From our last episode, I have unused stuff, too. So... <laughs> and I'll, 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 to... I'll do you one better. Yeah. I guess I did watch um, what Terry Polo went through. Oh, good for you. I did. Yeah. I made some mention of, of astral projection and that, <laughs> okay, that's why. that was a reference to the Terry Polo incident. <laughs> I was like, that's way too specific. Why'd you say mm. the astral projection? Gotcha. Well, maybe we'll find out someday. Maybe we will. Maybe. So everybody, we really hope that you enjoyed the show. Like we said, if you go to betterhelp.com slash GTTU, you can get 10% off. If you go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod, you can find lots of extra stuff from us that's very fun and you can also find us each on social media i am at chillin Kristen. i am at the myth traveler so thank you all so much we hope that you're well we mm -hmm. hope you have a great day night evening weekend month whatever, whatever you got your favorite unit of measure we want it to be a happy one a treasure mm. we'll be back next week for more weird spooky stories to share with all of you but until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld go we maybe do a little astral projecting with terry polo <laughs>
Terry. It was, it was great. How was it working with Robert De Niro? I have questions about that rather than astral projection. Uh, what? She was in Meet the Fockers. Right. <laughs> of course. Um, not Meet the Parents. Not Meet the Parents. <laughs> Goes straight to Meet the Fockers. They all do. I would say, we always do. 